First of all, we'd just like to uh, say that it's a privilege and it's uh, humbling to be able to come and share our story. Um, my name is Shane, and this is my wife, Alyssa, and we are the Maldens, and um, we have been married for 21 years, and um, yeah. And so, um, so we hope that uh, as we share our story tonight that it might uh, encourage you um, if you're uh, coming here tonight and you're feeling hopeless about uh, your marriage and where you might be in that, we hope that our story will offer some hope for you. Uh, so uh, like I said, we've been married uh, 21 years and we have three boys and one girl. I think there's a photo there. We've got uh, Turner, Catlin, Ezra, and Atticus. And um, so if you had told us 13 years ago that we would be here today, uh, we would have probably thought you were crazy and there were probably other people that are in this room that would have thought that too. Um, so, you know, our story, like all great love stories, um, began at Texas A&M University. <laughs> Commerce. <laughs> when we were there, it was still called East Texas State, which I think sounds even more romantic. Um, but uh, our our first date was, uh, I took Alyssa to uh, Taco Bell and a dollar movie, which just shows you that this whole thing has been kind of a miracle from the beginning <laughs> till now. So, uh, and uh, so we dated for two years and then we were engaged for uh, a year after that and then we got married. And um, Alyssa's got a gigantic family, so she had eight uh, bridesmaids and I had all these groomsmen I had to get and, and I was, <laughs> I don't think I even knew that many people. I was just going out on the street asking people if they wanted to be in a wedding. So anyway, but um, so <laughs> we got through all that. Uh, but so we dated for a couple of years, like I said, and then we uh, were engaged for a year. And uh, it was during the time that we were um, uh, dating that there was a very significant event that happened in my life that would impact us uh, in the years to come. And that was that my dad, who was a deputy sheriff, and he was working out in another state. He was a veteran, 21-year veteran. Um, he was uh, injured in the line of duty, uh, severely injured in the line of duty. And uh, they were going into a, a house to arrest this really bad dude, and he started shooting as soon as they came through the door, and my dad was hit in the head. And uh, miraculously, he survived that, um, but he had to live in an assisted living facility uh, in California. Um, from that time forward, and um, my the way I dealt with that was not was not healthy, and that really was the beginning of some serious, uh, significant struggles for me, and that also affected us as a couple. So when I look back at our marriage, I would say that the first years were pretty smooth. We didn't have oneness, but we didn't realize we needed that or even what that was. Um, we did have some foundational issues. Uh, starting off, first of all, we were both children of divorce, so we didn't really have any functional marriages to look at to see what that would even would be. Um, I do come from a large family, as Shane mentioned, and I never really separated from my family, especially my mom and sisters. I um, stayed very connected to them and kind of just added Shane on, and so I never prioritized him over them. We were both believers when we got married. We had trusted Christ when we were teenagers, um, but we were never connected to the body of Christ in the first few years of our marriage. We did a lot of church hopping and we'd visit, we'd go on Sundays, but we never went any deeper. 
And then finally, we were just living for ourselves. We didn't have children for the first nine years of our marriage, and so it was very easy just to be selfish and pursue what we wanted individually and not really um, do that together. About the fourth year of our marriage, uh, I really began to fall into pretty deep depression. Um, a lot of it stemming from you know, what happened to my dad. My tendency um, is to run and hide, withdraw, um, and so I just tried to kind of shut that away. Um, you know, and he was out in California, uh, didn't really have contact, and I just avoided that whole issue. But because of that, you know, I stuffed all those things uh, down and so um, I began to have just great anger, uh, a lot of outbursts and rage and, uh, and depression. And um, that could look like anything from, you know, knocking holes in the sheetrock to, um, you know, kind of at the lowest point of depression where I found myself sitting on the edge of a bed with one of my dad's guns, um, a pistol, and looking at it, putting it up to my head, and just thinking, what would it be like if I just pulled the trigger? And... Uh, so I was, I was uh, you know, just really messed up um, at that time. And I began to take medication, which really helped, um, but it certainly didn't solve the problem of my heart issue. And so um, because of the pain I was feeling, I began to try to deal with that instead of running to the Lord. Um, I was a teacher, so I was around women all the time, and I, I had unhealthy, inappropriate uh, relationships with the women that were at work. And a lot of inappropriate conversations and flirting, and um, and so I really sought fulfillment through those um, those relationships. And um, John ten ten, um, Jesus said that the the thief has come to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. And so, what I should have been doing was running to Christ, um, but instead I tried to deal with all these issues in other ways that were unhealthy, and it obviously. Uh, impacted us in a very negative way. So when I look back at this time in our marriage, I think of Proverbs 14.1, which is the wise woman builds her house, but with her own hands, the foolish one tears hers down. And I certainly was the foolish one. Um, what I mean by that is that Shane was extremely difficult to be around during this time with his anger and rage and depression. And so we began leading more separate lives. Instead of me leaning into him and seeing it as our problem, um, I just decided to make myself happy. And so I focused on furthering my education. I went to grad school. Um, I also focused on my career. I had gotten a promotion at work, and so that was all consuming. I also continued focusing on my family and spending time with them. And... Um, Jogging and soccer took up a lot of my time. Basically, I was doing anything to make myself happy where I didn't have to be around uh, Shane very much. I didn't prioritize Shane, um, didn't help him out when like his car broke down. I sent my sister to go pick him up, just things that really added to, I mean, it was terrible. I look back and it's, I'm ashamed of that. So um, just really not um, prioritizing him at all. And we kind of had a, this dysfunctional dynamic in our relationship, kind of a parent-child relationship. Um, I was the responsible one and um, kind of had to keep Shane in line, I thought. And really, I was just waiting for Shane to change because I saw it as his problem and um, was very prideful about it. And so I thought, well, if he gets you know his issues fixed, then our marriage will be fine. And so I was just very selfish and prideful during that time. You know, part of what was really a, a hard struggle for me with my dad was that I didn't grow up with him. 
I would see him about once a year, uh, usually at the holidays. He worked and lived out of state most of the time, uh, most of that time. And, and so, um, like any son, you know, I wanted to identify with him and I wanted to get to know him. And the time when he, when he got injured was a time when we really had begun to connect. And, um, and so it made it even more devastating. And so uh, part of the process during this, these years of, of struggle was that he got a case manager who, who is a believer and she made it her goal to get me, re- get me involved in his life again. And so uh, we did begin to reconnect that way and took some trips out there to see him. And, and so that was good. Um, but I still had significant problems and struggles and issues. And so Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says that to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. And I was not doing that. And my path was very crooked. And so um, in 2002, my dad passed away because of the injuries uh, that he had received. And his name is on the National Law Enforcement Officers Memorial in Washington, D.C. Didn't expect that. Um, but when he passed away, um, I really got caught up in identifying with him. And he had a lot of personal flaws uh, that I share. I had very similar attributes. And I was kind of got to this sort of sick place of embracing those. And, well, this, I'm like my dad, just the way I am, you know. And I, I don't need to change those things. And, and I should have been identifying with Christ. Um, but in, fall, in the fall of 2003, things really began to just completely unravel um, because it was, I'd had a difficult summer. It was the first an- anniversary of my dad's death, so it brought all those things up again. Um, my best friend had moved away. I was unhappy at home. I started spending more and more time with friends from work, women uh, from work. And I just thought, if I could just do that, if I could just be with them, with the, you know, then things would be better. So all of this led to just a big discussion with Alyssa one night where I just told her, that I was unhappy, I wanted to leave, and I kind of blamed her for my unhappiness, and I had just really become hard-hearted and calloused, and um, somehow she got me to come up here to Watermark and, and meet with John McGee, and, um, and, but I just, I just said, I'm done. I sat there the whole time and didn't really engage in, in any effort to move towards reconciliation. Just told him I'm done. In my mind, I had my own life, and I thought leaving um, would make me happy, and I was not being obedient to Christ. So I stayed in the house for about a month after, after that. I slept in the guest room, took my wedding ring off, I avoided home, and then finally I got an apartment and left. And so I told myself I was taking care of myself, you know, and that's, you know, just our culture speaking where they tell you that it's all about you and your happiness and take care of you. And, um, and boy, I just took hold of that and ran with it. So when Shane told me that he was done and that he was leaving and that divorce now was an option, um, I was devastated and broken. I felt like my whole world had just shattered. And um, God really met me in my pain. And I finally surrendered to him. And I learned through this that God is enough and that my hope is in him. And Isaiah 43, 18 through 19 um, is a verse that I actually read the day that Shane moved out. And it says, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. And so when I read that verse, it comforted me. And not that I felt like, okay, that means my marriage is going to be okay. God's doing a new thing in my marriage. But just knowing that God was doing a new work in my heart and that I had finally surrendered everything to him. 
And so during this time when Shane was still in the house and then when he left, um, I really drew closer to God. I uh, started reading the Bible. I used to be the type of Christian that would go to church and then my Bible would stay in the car all week. And so I was reading it because I was just desperately needing his comfort and guidance. Um, I had verses at work on little note cards that would get me through the day. I was praying constantly. Um, I couldn't get out of bed in the morning without just praying, God help me. And um, finally decided to get serious about my faith. I had called myself a Christian for many years, um, but had not really followed Christ. And so I decided if I'm going to be a Christian, then I need to be all in. And so part of that was just some steps of obedience. Um, I got baptized um, and professed my faith um, publicly. I joined the church here at Watermark and... Um, also joined a women's Bible study, which I was invited to, and finally, for the first time, experienced just the love and grace that the body of Christ um, just poured all over me. The ladies in that Bible study really showed me um, Christ's love, even though I was a stranger. I did also receive some wise counsel about loving Shane, regardless of his response, and um, from a staff member here. And so she counseled me to be a friend and a wife to him, regardless of how he was acting. And um, after he moved out, she encouraged me to make it easy for him to come back. And I was getting a lot of advice that was very different from that. I was hearing, you know, change the locks, get his name off your bank accounts. Um, you don't have kids, it's not really a big deal if you get divorced. And so I'm so thankful for that biblical counsel that I had um, to be a friend and a wife. And so some of the ways that I tried to love Shane during that time was um, included sending him cards and notes, just letting him know I was thinking about him and praying for him. When he called, I tried to use a loving tone, even though I really was very angry and hurt. And so um, my natural bent was to just be, you know, short and rude. And I tried to be loving and be a good listener. Um, we also, I was encouraged to uh, just show him some acts of kindness when we did have interactions. So during that time, he was coming back to mow the lawn at our house every couple of weeks. And so we kind of brainstormed in our little counseling session what I could do uh, to be kind. And so we came up with bringing him some ice water while he was mowing the lawn and it was hot. And so I got the ice water ready and put the you know ice cubes in there, put it in the fridge so it'd be nice and cold and brought it out to him and handed it to him. And he took a drink and he said, this water's too cold, it hurts my teeth. <laughs> and thankfully, God had transformed me enough that I didn't just like throw it in his face, but I was like, I'm so sorry, you know, I'll leave it out on the counter so it won't be so cold. <laughs> anyway, so that was one, one act of kindness there. Um, I also tried to listen to his problems and his issues with me without talking about my own hurts and needs in the moment just trusting that God would provide the right time, and he did later on. And so Shane, one evening, was just going through all the things I had done wrong, and by God's grace, I was able to apologize for those and ask for forgiveness and not say, but I've got something, you know, we need to talk about. And I think that made a difference. Um, and part of it was finally understanding some of Shane's grief. I think I had been waiting for him to get over his grief over, about his dad, which is just a really callous thing to even say. Um, but through this, I was grieving so much and it was so heavy over the loss of my marriage that I finally understood God just kind of opened my eyes that this is what Shane's been carrying around about his dad. And so I was able to ask for forgiveness for that. 
So slowly, God started revealing to me my part in it because he really looked like the bad guy. He was the one who had left and didn't wanna work on it, but God revealed to me that I had played a part as well. And um, I wouldn't say that I handled things perfectly all the time uh, during this time period, but just with the help of the Holy Spirit and this biblical wisdom that I had received, I responded very differently than I naturally would have. Would have. Um, so this was a very painful time, but a very sweet time of trusting God, and he showed up in a big way, just working in our lives and just seemed to encourage me every day. And Psalm 57.1 is a verse that I clung to there during this time. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. So this is where I always like to give a shout out to Mandy Bagdanov, who was the staff member that spoke that truth to her, but, and I'm very thankful for that faithfulness, but I'm even, I'm even more thankful that uh, Alyssa, you know, followed it and tried to put that into action, because, I mean, it's, it's hard to speak truth to people sometimes. It's harder to put it in action, right? Um, because some of those conversations that I had, I remember just wheels off conversations where I came to Alyssa telling her about some problem I was having with some other woman you know, in our friendship, and Alyssa was just graciously just, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, okay, when she probably felt like punching me in the face, but, so, you know, I had this, I had this big grand scheme that, like, I was gonna move out, and I was gonna be able to go do, be with these people, and all that, and it was gonna be great, but what I found was just emptiness, right, because you can change your location, but if you're not changed, then there's nothing that's really different, right, so, uh, everything was kind of starting to fall apart for me. Uh, you know, my behavior uh, was hurting my reputation with people at work, and it was affecting my job. Um, I found that I was still lonely and unhappy. And, um, and finally, one night, I was just laying in bed in my little apartment, and I think the Holy Spirit just prompted, prompted me and, and, and brought to mind the, the parable of the prodigal son, you know, where he runs off and squanders his inheritance and finds himself feeding pigs and he's just miserable and he just realizes I just need to go home. And I think God was really speaking to me and telling me that, you know, I needed to go home. I needed to uh, go home to Alyssa, but also needed to come back to Christ. I needed to get things straight with him. And, and uh, so that really, I, I picked up the phone that night and I called her and I, I think I just asked her, hey, do you want to go see a movie or something? And, and uh, that began the process of, of us uh, reconciling, and um, we began to date again. And um, I mean, one time we even we, we were at the mall. We bought these goofy shirts, and we had them put like I, I heart Alyssa and I heart Shane, and we were walking around with them. And it's it's really cool to see people's reaction to that, you know. Um, but so it began the process of me coming back home, and it was a process. It wasn't instantaneous, um, but you know that. That one night, I think, was kind of a turning point for me where God really uh, used his word to just remind me through the Holy Spirit of, that I was far, far off the path, right? I was far from home. So when Shane moved back in, it definitely wasn't all fixed. We still had problems communicating, which probably stemmed from the selfishness that God was still trying to root out in both of us. Um, Shane had not completely cut off his friendships with women at work. Um, at that time, I was still going to Watermark, and Shane was not going to church, so um, that kind of produced, all of these things together produced a high anxiety for me that he would change his mind and leave again. So Psalm 112, uh, verse 7, brought a lot of comfort 
it is, he will have no fear of bad news. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. So even when Shane came back, I was still putting my hope and my trust in the Lord. What helped us grow from that point on, um, the first thing was just God transforming our hearts. He really grabbed a hold of both of us and we were both surrendering to him. That made a huge difference. Also, we were encouraged to join a community group here at Watermark. And um, at first I was very skeptical and I felt like let's get some heavy duty professional counseling and make sure this doesn't happen again. But we joined the community group and um, they were just transformational in for us. And they supported us in our marriage and we had this identity as the Maldens. We were a married couple and they were just very encouraging in the community groups we've been in through the years. All of them have played a big part in um, helping to point us to Christ. We also, when we reconciled, um, we became pregnant with our first child. And so once we had Turner, I think we both kind of had this, yeah, it's funny how that happens, but um, we um, both had this same mission of we wanted to raise him and our subsequent children to follow the Lord. And we wanted to follow Christ and encourage them to follow us as we did that. And then um, leading and re-engage has been a huge part for us. We um, have led for several years and going through the curriculum now, you know, nine or 10 times is really good. And it just gives us that foundation that we need for what a biblical marriage looks like. And it allows us to have those conversations continually about our marriage. Excuse me. Um, so what has changed for me over the past however many years um, as I've, you know, grown closer to Christ. Um, and like Alyssa said, I was, I was very still kind of cynical and, and um, a little bit hard-hearted, you know. And, and over time, through community, uh, God has uh, continued to transform me and, you know, prune the things in my life that need to be, you know, snipped off there. And thankfully, I don't have big branches that need to be cut off anymore. But, you know, I'm like a little human bonsai tree, and um, he just keeps you know, keeps working on me, right? So, because you never, you know, we haven't arrived, right? It's, it's always continually being uh, conformed to the image of Christ. And so, you know, for me, Ephesians 5.25 is sort of my banner, you know, verse, you know, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Uh, I can't do that on my own, right? And so, in John 15.5, uh, Jesus said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing, okay? So, um, you know, we've learned that when we're both pursuing our relationship with Christ, we tend to respond to each other in ways that foster oneness. And then when we're not pursuing Christ, then kind of the opposite is true. You know, we start to get kind of wheels off, you know. Um, and so just to, just to close, I had a conversation yesterday with someone at work. Somebody else was having a 20-year anniversary. This other person, I, I said, they weren't there, but... I said, I said, oh, cool, you know, we just celebrated our 21st anniversary in November. And, uh, and they were like, wow, you know, what's your secret? And I was on my way out the door and I kind of paused for a moment. I'm like, How do, what do I tell them in like one second? And I just said, you know what? I just said, Jesus, Jesus is our secret. And she was kind of like, wow, cool. <laughs> you know, and then I'm out the door. And that's what we would tell you. Je Jesus is our secret, that's, that's it. Well, not a secret. But. <laughs>